0: Today on the Zabecast, how much should you play your starters in the preseason? It's a case study in opposites on Thursday night. The fighting Irish Yankees? ESPN's new Monday Night Football crew, and I'll tell you how to book a Scottish golf trip 101. All that plus someday just having a birthday party will be a crime. If you've got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go. (laughs) here we go. Friday, August 17, 2018, thank you for downloading. A couple of administrative items, first of all, right out of the gate. Number one, strong response to an all-out-of-towner fantasy league. So I am leaning towards, yes, let's do this. Now here's the hook. I would really, really, really like to hook everybody up via some 12-way video Skype conference call. Does anybody know how to do that? Bueller? Bueller, Do we need industrial-grade teleconferencing software? If if we can do that, I think that'd be pretty cool, actually, so that everyone can see everyone. I I don't know how that would be possible, but that's kind of what I want to lean towards. So if somebody can help set up what would be a total... 12 way video conference call for this draft, in addition to, of course, you know, drafting online with Yahoo or ESPN, whoever, then I would say you're definitely in the league. Also, if you want to follow my Scottish golf trip, uh, www.drunktommorris.com. Yes, I actually went and registered a URL for my trip and whipped up a little Wix website. It'll have photos and videos and snippets and whatnot. And there's also a Twitter account, at DrunkTomMorris.com. Not old Tom Morris, not young Tom Morris. This is the other drunken Tom. I'm sure they both probably drank quite a bit. Quite a bit. Also, this Sunday, we will have another edition of Capital Golf Gang. Myself, Ron Thomas, John Ronas, John Gould, the whole gang was there in studio. We taped the show. We had a lot of good post-PGA Championship discussion and Ryder Cup discussion, and more. So that will air on Sunday, Sunday, on Team 980, and I'm going to try to post it again to my site, Zabe.com, and my SoundCloud account. All right. Coming up in this episode, Ronnie Pook, who is our tour guide from ScotlandGolfTours.com, will help sort through, if you want to do a trip like me, what are some of the things to consider. And even if you don't like golf, wait until you hear Scotty's, or, or Ronnie's Scottish accent. It, it's it's hypnotizing. I am so looking forward to hearing that for a week and four days. All right, one more thing: the Zabe Cast now has its own Twitter account, so that can kind of ride along and be a separate thing to let you know when there's new episodes and whatnot. Do give it a follow at Zabe Cast, and there is a Facebook fan page that my friend Scott Doherty has whipped up. That I'm not opposed to at all. I think it's kind of cool. There are like three secret questions to be allowed in. I won't get into them here, but he is the gatekeeper. I'm not sure I will ever be active on Facebook, and not because I can't stand Mark Zuckerberg, uh, and I really can't, and it's not because of that, it's not because of anything. I just I find Facebook too messy. Too messy, too complicated, too much visual blight. Eh. That's why, you know, Twitter, Twitter is evil if used the wrong way and if you become consumed with it. But Twitter, when used as a, quote, micro blog, I think is perfect. It's simple. It's clean. It's basic. Yes, micro blog. That's what I heard it described as once in some financial article. Like The micro blog has yet to post a quarterly profit, but they're working on revenue streams. And I go, oh, yeah, I guess it is a micro blog, you know, 280 characters. Little picture, little video, bing, bang, boom, away you go. All right, before I get into uh, the sports news of the day, let me address something regarding my station in D.C., the Team 980. As you probably know, maybe, maybe not, it was sold, the station was, from Red Zebra Broadcasting, which was a subsidiary company of the Washington Redskins. It was sold by Red Zebra Broadcasting to Urban One Radio in late May. And the sale just went final on August 1st. Urban One primarily does urban format stations uh, nationwide, but more predominantly in the East Coast. Uh, and they are a good radio operator. They know what they're doing. Now, this is their dip in their toe in the water on sports, because they don't really do sports, but they believe that the, the format has good profit potential if done right and so they wanted to get into the business so they bought the station as is the case whenever there is a change in ownership and now this is i think for me at least the fourth different ownership of this signal in dc since i've been there in late 99 anytime you get new owners there's gonna be change it's just that simple and we've lost some guys um and it sucks, man, it does, because I hate to say we're a family, because we don't really go out to dinner together, or we don't sit around together, a lot of us haven't seen each other for months, because we broadcast from different locations, but it feels like a family. And so when you lose guys, it sucks, it's like a death in the family. So as you've probably figured out by now, uh, Bram Weinstein is no longer with the station, Uh, Scott Jackson is now doing post-games again. He, I guess, was in limbo, I heard, with his afternoon show. Doc Walker was just doing the radio or just doing the broadcast for the Redskins on their games. I don't know what's going to become of him. And who else? And then, of course, the morning show with Cooley and Kevin. Cooley and Kevin are no longer. Our morning show is gone, so I don't know what we're going to do in the morning. I wish I knew that. And I really wish they had found a way to keep Kevin and Cooley, because I thought it was a good show, and it had a following, and it was a very needed show, especially during football season, because Cooley does the grunt work that very few ex-players do, or want to do, or try to do, which is to look at film, and to break down film, and say, here's what's really happening with the Redskins, here's why this coverage sucked. Here's why there was no pass rush here. Here's what happened on this big play in the game. And I've seen him do it, and I've sat next to him as he's gone through plays, and it is incredibly tedious and painstaking. Like, for example, on, on, on what it takes to read film in the NFL, Cooley will look at a play, all right? He'll look at the all-22s, and he'll go through it and he'll go, hmm, okay, I think this is quarters coverage, but I'm not sure. Uh, Let me look at it from this other angle. Okay, where's the safety? Eh, you know what? It might be cover two slice, not quarters. And I said, so you don't know? And he goes, no, not entirely. I said, do the coaches in the coaching room know? He said, well, if it was their defense, they would know what they called on the play. I said, well, what about the other team? Would they know the difference between quarters and cover two slice or, you know, uh, cover three or covers it, whatever the coverage is. And he said to me, and this was stunning, he said, eh, maybe not. There might be a debate in the uh in the film room amongst our coaches as to what was that actual coverage. That is how subtle it is deciphering plays in the NFL. Also, Cooley knows for the most part our playbook offensively for the Redskins, and so that puts him at a huge advantage. However, when he looks at a play as to why didn't this third and three this pitch toss to you know Rob Kelly. Why didn't this work? He has to look at the play usually multiple times and go, hmm, hmm nah, no, the hole was there. Uh, was his cut hard enough? Did he hit his landmark on the toss? Mm, yeah. Let's see. How was the block? Oh, wait a minute. And like he'll look at it multiple times and say, right here, the left guard lost his leverage and he had contain on the inside backer, and because he didn't do that, that's why the play blew up. Meanwhile, the rest of us on the couch and on the radio will say, Rob Kelly sucks. We need to get a better running back. Cooley did all this. It took several hours a day. It took several hours on Monday, several hours on Tuesday to look at the offense and the defense and write detailed notes on it. And then he would come in and he would talk about it on the radio with Kevin, and it was compelling, unique, uh unreplaceable information for football fans. It was also tedious as shit listening to Cooley a number of times. I tried to tell him that. I said, I love what you're doing. This is fantastic, but it's radio. You got to really boil it down. You got to, like, take all this material and just boil it down to three or four things. He's like, yeah, but I did all the work, and people can handle it. So they went through the thorough part of it. And you know what? I, maybe they're right. Maybe they should have done it the the full way around. Kevin, I mean, I'm going to miss Kevin badly on the station. The station's going to miss Kevin badly. Station, uh, Kevin loved sports, ra- loved sports radio. I don't want to say loved. He's not dead. And he's not going to stop doing it. It's just he's not doing it for us anymore. You know, he could be <laughs> overbearing at times, like we all can. Stuck in his opinions, like we all can at times. A bit... Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the word is, but you know, I always told Kevin, I said, man, someday I'd love to do a show with you. I think you and I would do a great show. I think you and I would dig in, have knockdown, drag out fights about stuff, but also really have fun and laugh and, you know, do a great sports radio show. And he agreed with me, but it just, it never lined up. It never worked out. So why did the new owners not keep kevin and cooley in the morning that my friend is a long complicated inside baseball tale Ooh, tell us tell us tell us it's a it's your podcast you can tell us <laughs> if only it were that easy now my contract says i can't stipulate certain things about contracts and station business and whatnot and just because i say it on my own personal platform here this platform is essentially like any other platform so I won't get into it. It's Chris's business. It's Kevin's business. I'm gonna miss those fuckers a lot on the station. It's a huge blow for us because we need a morning show now, and that's not good. That sucks. And um, I'll still see them around plenty because they're here in D.C. and they're gonna they're gonna keep doing stuff. And who knows what the next chapter will be. Now, as far as my show goes, people say, "Are, are you got, Are you safe? Tell me you and and Scott and Solly are safe." Well, we're never safe. I mean, you know, we're we're in radio for God's sakes. But no, uh, the new owners have said that they very much like our show and they very much believe in it and that they have big plans for us going forward. Like I said, sometimes that means we got big plans, and then next thing you know, they go, Nah, eh, our plans changed." But thank you very much. There's the door. I don't think that's going to happen, but at least that's the word so far. And with that, I endeth the lesson on Inside Baseball. So how much should you play your starters in the preseason, in the NFL? Great argument. The answer is nobody knows. Nobody truly knows how much is the right amount. Personally, I'd do less, especially guys that are important, especially guys you know are going to be starters. Like Thursday night, the Redskins, perfect. One drive for Alex Smith, ends up in a touchdown, Uh, Made some nice throws. On defense, we started most of our regular starters. And our rookie, Deron Payne, got a sack on third down. Love it. Perfect. Bing, bang, boom. Get him in, get him out, get him wet. Good to go. Don't fuck around anymore. Because look what happened with Philly. Oh, Nick Foles, blindside, strip sack, and now he's got an arm injury. Not sure how severe it is. Already the pundits are like, well, maybe the Jets can trade Bridgewater because Sam Darnold looks so good. Hey, I say I saw Sam Darnold against the Redskins. Didn't blow me away. Made some horrible decisions, which he's going to do. He's a rookie. But I don't know how much uh, interest there will be in Bridgewater. The Eagles now are panicking. And, God, it couldn't happen to a better better bunch of folks. Good for them. Would you have played Foles at all in the preseason? I don't know. Now you're saying, fuck, we shouldn't have played him at all. What are we doing? Because now we got no quarterbacks. The timeline on Carson Wentz to come back for week one, he's already admitted it's going to be tight. Tight. Tight spot. So now the Eagles could be boned if Falls is really hurt. But on the other side of things, Tom Brady played the entire half for New England. Somebody explain that one to me. Every time you think you know Belichick, he does something different. And it makes me go, well, maybe this will be Brady's dress rehearsal and he won't play week three or week four of the preseason. Maybe he'll play both those games as well. Maybe Tom Brady really is a genius at lengthen, soften, disperse. And he can't be hurt. But that was a bit of a shocker right there. Another reason why I wouldn't play my starter, my starting quarterback, much in the preseason, if I know he's going to be my starter, is: Did you see the hit that Colt McCoy took? Uh, Luvu, this guy Luvu for the L U V U for the Jets came barreling in on Colt, lowered his helmet, and directed the crown of the helmet, bam, right to the chin of Colt McCoy. I think it was flagged as a personal foul. It. Could have been ruled more serious than that, but that's the kind of hit they're supposedly trying to get out of the game. Colt was like rubbing his chin afterwards because, man, he tattooed him. That's all it takes. I liken the NFL season to like a bowl of M&Ms where every game there's 200 plays, give or take. Thinking 50 passes, 25 rushes, 25 special teams plays, about 100 or so. Per team. So 200 plays total. And uh, although, am I double counting those? Uh, Whatever. Let's go with 200. Okay. So times 16, steady. That's 3,200 MMs in a big bowl called the NFL regular season. A certain percentage of those MMs are actually poison. I don't know what percent, but let's pretend those are the poison injury M&Ms. Every play, a potential poison M&M. Is it 3%? Is it 12%? Is it 9%? Is it 2%? I don't know. But a certain percentage are poison. You only have to eat these M&Ms 16 weeks. You don't have to eat them 20 weeks. You have no way of knowing which M&Ms are poison. You just have to... Plunge your fist in there and hope for the best. That's my analogy of injuries. So why then? Why would you make your star quarterback eat any M&Ms in the preseason? Well, because it'll get them better at, uh, you know, figuring out how to not eat the poison M&Ms. Really? Sure about that? Also, the new Monday Night Football crew did the Redskin game on ESPN. People are already saying, what do you think, what do you think, you know, test tour. I've heard tour before in college football. He's a little game show hosty. He's a little bit too perky, a little, little bit too puke voicey for me, but he calls a good, clean game. His, his voice has a good, hard edge to it. Knows football. He's not as dour or dark as Sean McDonough, who, by the way, I was okay with. I'm very glad that Gruden is gone. I was slightly impressed by Witten because I'd never heard him talk before. He was okay. Booger, down on the sidelines, he's going to find his role. Salters is just sideline reporting, no big deal there. And then, of course, you had Jeff Triplett. <laughs> God bless Traf- Jeff Triplett. Bless his soul, as they say in the South, which I believe I'll credit the uh, the boys on, pardon my take, they said when when somebody says bless, bless his heart in the South, that's the equivalent of fuck you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Bless his heart, Jeff Triplett. <laughs> With a high and voice, yep, uh, that, that would be a foul right there. It's so funny they have him on as this expert, and they just they can't bring up the fact that he jacked up so many games and so many calls over the years. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to hear more on the uh, Monday Night Football crew to see how it is. I'm glad Gruden has gone. Gruden had become a walking, talking, cliche, a butt-kissing, a, a punch-pulling, I-don't-want-to-be-too-negative kind of guy. And so I think this new crew has potential. And then one more thing before we get to my guy Ronnie Pook. Maryland has a big meeting scheduled for today. Board of Regents or Board of Directors or the Stonecutters Board. Whatever the big board is. Above even Bowtie Wally, the the university president, and all the other minions. Big meeting to discuss everything in the wake of this Jordan McNair tragedy. Word is from my Maryland spy is that Old Wallace, low, 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 is gone. And so too is Damon Evans, the new AD, and most likely DJ Durkin as well, the head coach. You know, it's not so much blame. I don't think anyone is saying we're blaming those three guys for this. I think it's just more about consequences. It's more about, hey, somebody died needlessly because of our meatheadery and our ignorance of, hey, you know what, don't let somebody die practicing football under your watch. Like, that can't happen. It's one thing if uh, a kid is driving to campus to participate in football practice and gets broadsided by somebody in a university vehicle. Yes, the university was technically at fault there, but shit, that was a random occurrence. This was not random. There has to be consequences. You just can't come out of this going, yeah, you know, we kind of killed a kid because we didn't pay attention to his heat stroke. But hey, guess what? Coach Durkin's still here. We're going to make the best of it. We're praying for him, and we're going to move forward. No, you have to be fired just as a sake of consequences. Same thing for the president, same thing for the AD. Oh, and there is now more. Apparently, Wallace Lululu denied a request to sort of fall in line with the NCAA's recommendations on delivering... Health care and, and attention to athletes, to student athletes, that there was a proposal to say to Maryland, "Hey, let's get independent people that are not part of the program to do the medical stuff and oversee the trainers." And apparently, old Bow Wally a year ago said, "Nah, let's not do that." If that's the case, then his goose is so fucking cooked, and I couldn't I couldn't be happier for it because that guy's got to go. All right, so you want to plan a bucket list golf trip to Scotland with your buddies, but you have no idea where to start. Well, good luck. You're in luck, I should say. Good luck doing it on your own, but you're in luck with our next guest. My guy Ronnie Pook at ScotlandGolfTours.com has been doing this forever, and he is now working on his third trip for me, so I can vouch for him. He is absolutely the best. Good morning. How are you? We are finally here after what <laughs> eighteen? Is it eighteen months? When did I first call you about this trip?
1: I think it probably was something like that. But let's just have a quick look. I think it was about a year and a half ago.
0: That's fantastic. December
1: yeah, sixteen was uh, was when we kicked the whole thing off. So
0: eh, it's been a long time in the coming, but we're nearly there. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So anyway, I think the first question, uh, my listeners and my people that follow me that play golf would have is i want to do yeah. that but where do i begin what is the very first question any stateside golfer should ask himself when beginning to plan a trip to scotland to the uk to ireland to wales to all the places that you guys serve
1: absolutely well the, the, fir- the first criteria really is if it's your first trip over here or not the the tendency is if it is your first trip to what to want to play the big courses the ones you've seen on tv the ones you've read about the ones with all the history so the when we're designing tours for the for for visitors coming through that's one of the first questions we ask have you been before Uh, and that determines the shape of the tour for the next uh, 7 10 14 days whatever Uh, for, for the first timers um you're right a lot of the courses you're playing are very much on everybody's bucket list. So they're all desperate to get onto the, the, the courses, the Royal Troons, the St Andrews, the, uh, the Muirfields, the Royal Aberdeens. Um, and then working out a, a route which is actually manageable is, is really the next criteria from our point of view. We, we want people to cluster we want golf courses to be close to each other, and we want people to travel reasonable distances at uh, at normal times of the day, and not be up all half the night travelling. So, yeah. yeah, planning all rounds is, is is really part of the big process that we get involved in every day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's 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 fun from our point of view. No two trips are the same. Um, different courses they get different restrictions on what day you can play them, um, and then working in weekends and a lot of the clubs tend to be private member clubs anyway, so. You can't necessarily play exactly when you want to play, so it's a bit of a jigsaw making it all fit.
0: I believe that when I proposed the trip that you put together, you called it, quote, a belter of a trip.
1: right as an absolute delta. yeah, right (laughs)
0: and and, and i and i said it's my 50th birthday i I, we are going big or we are not going at all and we're all excited for the trip i always start with you i I was going going
1: big by the way (laughs) right exactly
0: i always start with you and and this is the one piece of advice i'd throw in on top of what you said is if you're going for the first time you have to play the old course And that is the trickiest shot to hit. And you're going to tell us just exactly how and why that is. But I tell people, I say, look, start with the old course. Tell your tour operator, and and it should be Ronnie at Scotland Tours, but uh, uh, tell your tour operator, we want to play the old course. Let's start with that and build out around it and give yourself a good at least 12 months, if not longer. Is that good advice? Yeah,
1: absolutely
0: right.
1: Okay. That's absolutely the starting point. You're, you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, do you know, the demand for the old course is such that uh, we are now one of the approved tour operators. St. Andrews restructured the, the booking process a couple of years ago, uh, and a number of companies have now got this approved status and others don't. So the ones with approved status get an allocation of tea times each year. Um, but remember, St. Andrews is a public course. It's a public piece of property and they manage uh, the the people who run this piece of uh, land have got seven golf courses there to manage a bit like pinehurst there's a lot of there's a lot of golf um for all all levels of golfers but um the, the, the the significance of the the ownership is that it's not a private members club so there's a lot of people wanting access to the golf course which pushes up demand and, and makes it more difficult to get uh, the tee times you're looking for. So planning ahead, a year, 18 months ahead is, is, is the way to go.
0: And and if people want to get on the old course without going through an approved uh, operator like you that have has access to times, how do they do it? Like yep. it, 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 there's a lottery, I guess, every day. You can show up early in the morning at the old course and just wait.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the the to say the, the tour operators get a bunch of times. The ho- local hotels get a bunch of times. Um, people at university actually, university students, they've got the best job in the world. They they can they can come to St Andrews and study and then play golf, and they're not. <laughs> and you know you know what takes priority there, don't you? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people get access to the course. So um, those who can't get the guaranteed times uh, through the tour operators or the hotels or whatever. Um, have still got the option of turning, of phoning into the ballot two days in ahead, ahead of play. There's, uh, there's times literally every, this, well, the course is only open six days a week, it's always closed on the Sunday. Right. So people can apply 48 hours in advance uh, into the ballot. Um, it doesn't have to be a tour operator, does that? The individuals can do that themselves um, and they will find out later on that day if they've been successful or not. So uh, they're, 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 it's a complicated process, but it's one which is well tried and well established. And um, if you go onto the St Andrews website, it's pretty well documented there. It's it's the only course in the country that suffers this over over demand, uh, where the capacity doesn't is less than demand. So where they've, they've got ways of trying to fit everybody in but obviously not everybody gets in that's that's the, the, the habit how many rounds have,
0: uh, yeah how many rounds a year does the old course see do you know what the number is i
1: i i, I don't know the number but at the moment it's it, first tea time in the morning is six thirty, uh and there's people get out every 10 minutes until uh five o'clock tonight
0: oh uh, man like
1: that every day of the summer
0: Wow. So uh, every
1: day of the summer, there's a four ball going off every 10 minutes. So, wow. yeah, it's, uh, it's it's hard work for somebody to plan that, isn't it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So our trip, we're going to go through, uh, we're going to hit all the courses here. I'm just going to have you give a comment on all the places that we are playing. And we are making a big sort of uh, left to right diagonal slash upwards through the country, starting that's right. with Turnberry down on the southwest coast. Uh, turnberry That's was right. awesome when we played it the first time in 2012 it's supposedly even better after uh trump put a lot Absolutely. of money into it and uh hired martin Hawtrey, who it? i guess is a noted uh european architect to help improve the layout how's turnberry after the redesign uh,
1: without a, without a question it's probably the the best golf course in scotland it really is it's uh, there's a number of good golf courses uh, the, the, Your Muirfields and your old courses They're always very popular But as for the golfing purist Go and have a look at Turnberry. The, the Hortree put a fantastic uh, touch into the, the course He changed three or four holes um, Quite a few of them have got new green Virtually every hole was, was adjusted some degree or not If you remember the first hole There's a dog leg to the right uh, It's got a couple of new bunkers And the green was pushed back 30 yards Quite honestly, you wouldn't know the old green was where it was. Uh, the, the design has been so subtle, so successful. Uh, it's a pleasure to play. Yeah. Uh, and of course, up around the lighthouse, um, the, 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 that was one, probably one of the weaker holes. Uh, nine, 8, 9, 10 were probably the weaker holes there. Um, that's all changed. He's got a terrific little par 3 down next to the lighthouse now. And uh, number 11, the one with the big donut uh, bunker just short of the green, it's it's terrific as well it's a, it's a the whole that's number 10 I beg your pardon number 11 is a shot par 3 which has also had a makeover so that corner of the course has changed a little bit you'll, you'll recognize the changes when you get there but quite honestly the design now is just fantastic
0: yeah there's 36 holes there the second course is also quite excellent it's not quite as spectacular as the championship course we loved the pitch and putt course uh, which was 90-yard you know, holes at the foot of the hill where the resort uh, sits, where the hotel sits, and Not that's totally. a great thing to do yep. uh, after your round if you've got time and the weather is nice.
1: Absolutely. That little course is still in good shape. It's tiny little greens that are the size of snooker tables. Um, and uh, if you can play golf there, you can play golf anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Up the road is Prestwick, which is the original home of the Open Championship. I believe the last time, Ronnie, they played the Open there was 1956. It's one of the shortest, quirkiest, weirdest, coolest horse courses I've ever seen. Prestwick, go ahead.
1: well yeah you've you've nailed it Uh, there's a couple (laughs) of blind holes which some people (laughs) a couple how about (laughs) 18 of them well no no you do see a couple of holes (laughs) i'm sorry
0: there's there's a Uh, lot of them but yeah that's it's cool that that course you know i I always say look it doesn't matter that it's no longer in the rota you gotta go see it it's it's the birthplace of the open championship
1: Absolutely, and and the clubhouse has still got lots of great memorabilia in their place as well. Yeah. But you know, the the golf course, the, the Open Championship is outgrown the, the the capacity of uh, Prestwick. It was a it was a great spot when it started off 147 years ago. Um, but the the course now is uh, is, a, is a quirky links course, right, built into the dunes. Um, uh, some somebody said to me, you know, what it's so noisy playing Prestwick that why did they build a golf course next to the airport? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, and just next to what, just what you, the, yeah you
1: get used to that idea yeah, think.
0: yeah, just next to Prestwick is but, Troon which is easily one of my favorites over there. It has the famous postage uh-huh. stamp hole par three eighth, which is short that's and big. lethal. What a hole that is,
1: mm-hmm It's a very clever hole, very clever. You've got to hit the green. Miss the green in the left, you're up in the mound. Miss it in the right, you're down in big sand traps that are 15, 20 feet deep. Um, So, yeah, you're right. It's a make-or-break hole, that one.
0: Yeah, and if it's windy, hitting a 126-yard par 3 is one of the hardest things. It's like landing an aircraft on an aircraft carrier in high seas.
1: You've got it in one. It's uh, if you, you feel good if you come off at a par, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: You, all right.
1: you, start, you, you do feel good. All right. Uh,
0: then we then we <laughs> swing we after that. Right. Then we swing up to Edinburgh, where yep. uh, you've got Muirfield, which I had always heard Ronnie was the was the stuffiest of all the Scottish private courses, but they they treated us well there, and uh, I thought maybe that reputation was a touch overblown. Uh, it's such a lovely length, Muirfield. We we really enjoyed it when we played it.
1: Indeed. The, the golf course has, uh, has stood the test of time. Absolutely. Um, the, the club, to be fair, the club has changed quite a lot over the last 10, 15 years. There's new secretary involved who's, a, who's got a much more approachable style of uh, welcoming guests. Um, the members uh, still don't play the golf course like most regular members do. There's only two or three medals a year for example and uh, the tradition is very much alternate shots so they've got their own way of running the golf course which is quite unique in in Scottish and I think even in world golf. Um, So there's a set in traditions. They don't like change too much but you know they've realised that they're in the 21st century so um, they're actually just in the process of upgrading all their clubhouse just now so when you see it next week there will be some um, construction work going on at the back of the clubhouse, but the what? golf course is untouched. Const-
0: what? That's it. Cancel yeah. the tour. Construction? No way. We're <laughs> we're we're out of there. So so they don't. So they. I know that alternate shot is the thing at Muirfield. Yep. And when I when I came to you the last time and talked about well, we'd like to play maybe thirty six at Muirfield. The rule is if you go back out again in the afternoon, you must play alternate shot, and that includes. Yankee that, tourists like that's me. Still the same. Yeah, that's still the same. And you say yeah. most of their members play alternate shot as well every day. That That's the they game at Muirfield.
1: Every day. That's wild. That's exactly it. The ethos of the club is, is two-ball match play. And uh, that's the way they like to run their golf course. And, you know, the world of golf doesn't play a lot of golf games like that, but uh, they do.
0: Yeah, that, <laughs> and, You know what? And, and that's and okay. And is... Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, last absolutely last yeah. time, last time we were there, Ronnie, my caddy was I think a fifty-six-year-old retired chemical engineer who was also a member right, at right. the club, and he couldn't have been more lovely. It was it was very cool. Like I, you know, huh? yeah, it was sort of like this is very down to earth, and he was like, yeah, you know, I do this on the side. I don't need the money, but you know, I'm a member of the club, and I like to caddy. I like to tell visitors about absolutely. you know, hit it here, hit it there. Uh, and it was it was very cool. We yeah. had a great time there at Muirfield. Then we play these, North. These are proud people. That... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then we play North Berwick, uh, which is one yep. of the great gems that is I don't even want to say it's under the radar because more and more people know about it. Like the tour pros. A lot of them go play North yep. Barrack, I see now and they post pictures on Instagram and stuff. This is an awesome Indeed. course uh, on the water on the on the Indeed. north side of the country and some incredible holes and incredible views.
1: Well, absolutely, you're right down on the first of fourth the the river down there. Uh, they've been playing there since the 17th century, so there it's it's very much evolved into the landscape. It's uh, people. It's again, it's a bit of a public area. People can walk across the golf course. Um, the golf course is actually private, but there's. The way the 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 dunes are set up, if you remember, um, people are walking along the side of the the, the beach and
0: uh,
1: along towards the town. So it's it's a bit accessible. It it sort of surprises some golfers that there's all these people wandering around sometimes. But uh, (laughs) hey, it is what it is, and uh, they're not going to change it now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I think the didn't you tell us that the law in Scotland was that uh, all beachfront property is public access? So even if there's a private golf club on it, people can walk their dogs and stroll along that property. Can,
1: absolutely yeah. the, the 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 land is owned by the uh, all the beach is technically owned by the well you can buy the beach but the the it's owned by the crown the queen uh, is is entitled to uh, anything that you find on the beach type thing but they, it's 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 public land too, to all intents and purposes so yeah. yes it's, there isn't a, a private area as such
0: a, any uh, any but, one of our uh, any one of our guys, Ronnie, who might be in any way put off by people walking around, they're going to be kicked off my trip because it's just a lovely touch. It does not <laughs> bother you at all. It's just neat. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a couple walking their dog. That's very cool, you know. So uh, the other thing about the beach yeah, is absolutely. at North, at North Barrack, one of our guys uh, hit a thin shot into what was the 16th green, which has that huge target on the beach it's like a 40 foot mm-hmm. pole with a target on the top because it's a blind shot he hit a Indeed. thin shot that went way over the green and he actually played a recovery shot from the beach from like 40 yards away i have a photo of it it is classic <laughs> but you can do that you can play recovery shots from the beach at north Barrack. that's
1: right it's not out of bounds it's just a it's just a hazard yeah, get on with it. Uh, then we There's play too many rules in this game. I know, I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we play the old course. Just play the ball. <laughs> then we play the old course. Then we play the old course. Then we play Carnoustie, uh, which just held the Open Championship. Yes. People always ask me what's Absolutely. Carnoustie like, and I say it's flat and it's mean, and that's all you need to know. But it's right. a, it's an incredible golf course. Then we take a swing it's up drivers north- golf course exactly, it? and then we take a swing up north, which we didn't yep. do last time in 2012 to play uh, Trump International yep. and Ab- and Royal Aberdeen. And I'm very looking forward to that because that's another Absolutely. two hours north. How much different is it the further north you go in the country?
1: No, the, 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 geographically, um, or rather in, in terms of terrain and, and topography of the golf course, it's exactly the same. You're, you're running right up the east coast. Um, you're affected by the sand and the dunes and, and the wind off the sea. Um, so from that point of view that north south really there isn 't that significant a difference what do you what you 're going to enjoy up there however is is a little bit more unspeakable. Uncommercialised, shall we say? Yeah. Um, there's not the same rush of people around that there is in St Andrews. Um, Ab- Aberdeen's a quiet, gentle golf course, well, very well run, beautiful track. Um, reminds me a lot of Royal County Down, actually, over in Ireland. If you've, if if, uh, if you ever, I can't remember if you've been over there or not, but no. um, there's, there's a lot of great holes in uh, Royal Aberdeen. You're going to enjoy that day for sure. And of course, when Trump uh, got that piece of land further north, just about 10 miles north of Aberdeen and put the golf course on it you know that irrespective of your political views of mr trump he doesn't know what to do with golf courses um there it's a spectacular golf course right on and he's used the dunes so well to actually create a golf course which you stand there and all and and just want to play good golf um it's a fantastic track you're gonna have a great fun next week all
0: right and then a couple quick questions here uh for people that I, i know people ask me this all the time what time of year is the best time to go over there in terms of weather?
1: Well, uh, the, from end of April through to middle middle of October, you've got a lot of consistency. Um, we've got good daily hours. The temperatures never get too hot. They never get too cold. Um, the, the rain can come any day. The sun can come any day. So really, May, June tend to be the best two months. July is a busy month. Um, just because of the, the the international holidays, the UK holidays, the mm-hmm. European holidays, the American holidays, but May and June I think are the two best months uh, to, to to hit the
0: if if uh, you to
1: hit Scotland for if, that point of view.
0: If you wanted to perhaps save a little money by coming over during a shoulder month weather-wise, and you were you were brave enough to say we yep. know it might be very cold and, and not so great, what would be your recommendation then on when to come?
1: March. March, Mar- March is ideal. Okay. You come in before the end of March. You've got you're getting the, you're getting the lower rates at the hotels and the golf courses. Um, March can be quite a, a gentle month with us this this particular year, with a with about ten days of snow, which is very uncharacteristic. But uh, apart from that, March is I think it's, that that's your ideal time to come if you're looking for something just a little bit quieter okay. uh, and take your chance with it. Uh, and quite honestly, you'll. you'll Virtually walk onto most of the golf courses in March um, if, if you if you know, with a little bit of planning. But you don't have to be planning a year in advance for that for a March. Yeah. Um, make make it somebody's Christmas present. Come out in March. There you go. <laughs> it's uh, as simple as that.
0: And uh, I'm bringing 12 this time. We came, we came with eight last time. I would tend to yep. think I wouldn't want to try to bring more than 12. But do people bring groups larger than 12? I would imagine you start getting into challenges with tea times consecutively with groups of more than just 12.
1: Yeah, you're right. There's there's logistical issues with uh, larger groups. 16 is, tends to be the largest number we look at uh, from a sort of practical point of view. Um, getting the tea times, if you plan it far enough ahead, isn't the big issue. But getting everybody into the right hotels and getting people into the right restaurants and getting them in the right size coaches are the logistic issues that we have to assess. Um, we do a couple of trips actually. We just finished one with the, from the, the guys from Georgia. Um, there was twenty of them in that trip, uh, and as much as the trip went really well. Again, it was planned a year and a half in advance, and we got the right places for food and drink. Um, so that it's the, the golf when you get to the bigger numbers tends not to be the biggest issue if you plan it far enough in advance. It's yeah. the it's the hotels and the transport and such like. But twelve or sixteen. Perfect. Yeah. We've got uh, 12 is ideal. There's only three four, three, three, four balls, so that's a, that's, a, that's a breeze. That's just 20 minutes between the tea times. Um, bigger groups, you're just waiting longer if you happen to be first out or last out uh, at odd times. But uh, um, it's all manageable. It happens. People get on with it. But 12 or 16,
0: perfect. Yeah, and then and then once you get up to 16 and 20, there's always one or two guys who are late getting out of the hotel. They're late getting on the bus after their round, you know. That that's the thing with a yeah. larger group; it's yeah. more cats to herd. But uh, but yeah, that's that's a good piece of advice. So of course, my final question will be: These guys need to travel with their mother. I'd have their mother, right? Exactly. Uh, I'm going to institute. I'm going to institute next week a five pound fine for the last guy on the bus at every departure. So that like way, it. there's an incentive to not be that guy. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a really good plan. That's, yeah.
1: that's, that, uh, that could work. That, could work. <laughs> right. that,
0: You could find a lot of people falling
1: out with you. <laughs> I know,
0: exactly. All right, the last question I have is, this of course will not be my last trip or my last rodeo with a bunch of guys over there, but since I've now done Scotland right. twice, or I will have done Scotland twice, yeah. I'm going to start branching out. I do want to have you book for me a tour in the UK itself of the British Open of okay. courses over there. Do you guys handle that? Okay.
1: No problem. Yeah. No problem on that. And, and
0: everyone says, Ireland, 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 and I booked a trip for my honeymoon mm-hmm. with you and my wife, mm-hmm. and I played a That's little right. bit of golf, and we loved Ireland, and I understand yep. the golf there is spectacular as well. So you do Ireland in addition.
1: Absolutely. Ireland is one of our big... When people have done two or three trips with us in Scotland they like the way, and they like the way we set things up and plan it for them, the, Ireland's the next choice. They've, they've done two or three trips in Scotland. They want to see the big courses in Ireland. And then after that, they tend to come back and to Scotland and they try a different set of courses. Remember what we said at the beginning, the first trip, you tend to do the big courses. Well, you'll know of the trips you've done here. There's quite a lot of second tier courses, which from a golfing purist point of view are fantastic. They just don't have the international acclaim that some of the courses that you're playing have. So there's there's a second wave and a third yeah. wave of Scottish courses that people can go and enjoy this country, and enjoy a little distillery, have, eat well, sleep well, drink well, play, great golf. What, what, what more do they want?
0: Yeah, that's life itself. Ronnie, thank you for putting this together what? for my 50th birthday. Our guys are really looking forward to it. A- and it's great to be able to say here, I will see you tomorrow at the airport.
1: <laughs> yeah. it, 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 nearly. I love it. <laughs> I see you Saturday. That's for sure.
0: That's right. All right, <laughs> Ronnie. Thanks, thanks my friend. Million.
1: Okay. Have a great trip. Yeah. Safe flight. Safe travels. We'll see you Saturday. And uh, thanks, Jacob.
0: It should be noted I did not get paid by Ronnie to do that podcast. Although I probably should. I'm going to bring him some business. Uh, he just does great work and is rock solid. And, you know, h- well, how'd you find him? Well, the guy that booked my the 2012 trip that I went on with was uh, Pete Cornelier. He found him and then said, hey, I got a trip lined up. Do you want to come? And uh, that first trip was so good. I used Ronnie, obviously, with my uh, wife on our anniversary two years ago to Ireland. And now we're using him here. So give him a ring. Look him up. com. We'll end with this. First, straws. Next, balloons. Of course. Because remember, doing good ain't got no end. This year, college football powerhouse Clemson is ending its tradition of releasing 10,000 balloons into the air before games, a move that is part of its sustainability efforts. In Virginia, uh, a campaign that urges alternatives to balloon releases at weddings, is currently expanding. And a town in Rhode Island outright banned the sale of all balloons earlier this year, citing the harm to marine life. Balloons, however, are not among even the top 10 kinds of debris found in coastal cleanups. But they are common and especially hazardous to marine animals, which can also, according to this story, get entangled in balloon strings. Yes, they can. They can also get entangled in, uh, cassette tapes that have come unraveled and they could get entangled in, uh, you know, strands of hair. I mean, okay. I, I don't want to get worked up here. Look, no one's for wanton littering. And I guess 10,000 balloons into the air. What was that song? 10,000 Luftballoons. Um... 10,000 balloons is kind of like littering. They're going to go fly up into the air with their strings and then they're going to eventually pop and they're going to land somewhere and they're going to be garbage. But in the big scheme of things, straws and balloons, does anyone not look around going, God, look at all this other shit that is non-biodegradable waste? Of course, the answer to that uh, is uh, one of the people in favor of this said, well, just because it's small doesn't mean we should... Say, it's ridiculous, because you got to start somewhere, is what they said, essentially. And if we were to say, God, it's not a very big problem, then we'd never do anything. Okay, well then, I'm here to say you're never going to end this way. If it's straws, then balloons today, it's just going to keep on going up and up and up. Better yet, we should work on people not polluting, but okay, whatever. Someday, just celebrating your birthday will be a crime. And, and balloons will be contraband. You'll have to close the shutters on your house, the curtains, and say, shh, it's going to be a balloon party. Watch. And, and make sure nobody's snitching on you in your family or your friends. Hey, set some balloons there. I'm calling the balloon police. That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Hit up our Reddit thread. Give us suggestions, ideas. Uh, feedback, recommendations, you name it. Download, subscribe to all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and more. And always remember, be happy while you're living, because you're a long time dead. I think the Scots said that. It might have been the Irish. I don't know. I'm off to golf for a week. Thanks for giving me time off from the cast, And we will see you in a week. This